And again, I'm not trying to be an asshole with this. I don't understand Nintendo cardboard revolution, a.k.a. Labo. <laughs> it's actually pretty neat. I, mean, I wouldn't buy it, but it's neat. Well, shouldn't they have called it cardboard revolution? I feel like that's more honest and cooler. So as always, thank you for joining me. Enjoy the podcast. Kick back and relax. The force is strong and is with us always. And never forget. We have hope. Rebellions are built on hope. They have no idea we're coming. Take hold of this moment. The force is strong. Make ten men feel like a hundred. I'll take the next chance. And the next. You're all rebels, aren't you? Jesse, aka the Bizzle. Oh, the Bizzle. Thank you. <laughs> the Bizzle. Thank you, the Bizzle. Yeah. The Bizzle. All right, Bizzlecast listeners, welcome back to another State of the Video Games podcast with my boy Ethan, aka L underscore Fedorable. We are here to do an E3 preview because we are giant nerds, aren't we, Ethan? I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> uh, only the most well-respected individual uh and uh captain of the football team oh man are booth babes still a thing probably yeah uh i don't know i think it's one of those things where in the back of their mind nerd boys would like booth babes but they realize that it was insulting so maybe they don't do it so much anymore it's insulting to everybody. Anyways, E3. Ethan, what is E3 and what are we going to be talking about? All right. So E3 is um, stands for Entertainment uh, Electronics Electronic Expo. Entertainment Expo. Electronic Entertainment Expo. Um, see, I always get those out of order. Because um, <laughs> well, no one says electronic anymore. No one says electronic. Yeah. Um, it's basically assumed. Basically, uh, it is the cornerstone, the beginning of the video game year. Mm-hmm. Um, so instead of quarter one or quarter four, or I, I don't know when movies start, but uh, video games start when E3 starts for the year. Um, because that is when every major house developer and publisher are sat down in a convention center for three days and they are presenting what they are, will be releasing in the upcoming year to year and a half. Yep. And they're all um, hung over from the previous night and then they all get sick for like three weeks. <laughs> you got convention sickness. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> if, okay. Okay. Side note. If you bring a sickness to any convention, you have single handedly removed yeah three years from the human lifespan of every human who went. Yeah, and by the way, people, uh, general convention tip, if you're trying to meet a celebrity and they, like, clean their hands or, like, something before they shake your hand, don't take it personally. They're trying not to get sick. They're doing tons of these conventions. Let's be professional people. You're also probably sweaty and gross. They're sweaty and gross, but let's be honest. E3 is not about the celebrities, which you think would be cool. And 
<clears throat> Guys, basically E3 is where a ton of video game announcements happen, and that's what we're going to be talking about. But really quickly, ETH, about the culture of E3. Of all the conventions and expos that the Twitchers and YouTubers that I follow go to, people, they seem to dislike E3 the most by far and are open about it. For a convention that is all about the games, you'd think people would love it. Why do people complain so much? It's definitely the... Um it's definitely more of the industry's convention than it is the people's convention, like PAXs. PAX is way more of a people's convention. Than we call that a trade convention. convention, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's um, PAX is all about getting to meet people, and E3 is more really all about the, the trade, like what's going on, um, mm-hmm. what's happening, what's coming up here. Um, and I think the fact that it's all broadcast it, online now also it, makes it, it yeah. it's way more entertaining to watch it online. Yeah. Um, but the bigger, but, but like the bigger problem is like, if you're trying to do anything, you got to wait two hours in line mm-hmm. to just go play a demo and maybe talk with some devs. Yeah. Like that's not, that's not appealing to like all the interesting stuff is happening behind closed doors. Right. If you're, if you're, if you're interested in the business and in the industry, um, but it's super entertaining to watch because it's a show. Like you're watching, um, they like like literally E three. If you cannot find something to that will interest you, like you probably are not going to have a good time playing video games that year. Yeah, like they have literally everything you could possibly want yep. in a mashup of all the gaming culture that is yep. available today. Mm-hmm. And even back a couple years back, it was still like that when it was a much smaller niche. Um, what is uh, like just as an example? Yeah, like they they have they have the PC gaming show, gamer show, where yeah. it's literally just like I think it's like two hours of just straight nonstop um, Intel ads and XCOM commercials. And others are, are RTS and other strategy games just being shown off. Like, literally, that's all well, it is. Uh, you know what? And I think that's a great example for why people have mixed feelings <clears throat> about attending it is that unlike Comic Con or something like Star Wars Celebration, which is as much, at least as much about the community and having fun and meeting people and getting dressed up and doing, you know what I mean? Like, this is all business which is great for us consumers who are watching it online right but it doesn't seem to make a great uh, attending experience right yeah right and and this is actually probably a good time to like while we're on the topic of like business and how like how it's great business for us consumers probably good time to bring up um what everybody what, what something that a lot of people look forward to is the e3 buzzwords um now this is just like a loose term on how to like classify them, but uh, buzzwords are in essence something that c- causes conversation um, or ignites conversation. It's conversation starter, um, and it's no different for gaming because there's always something new happening because it's a relatively young entertainment industry. It's still not fully set in stone. There's still always something new happening because the technology keeps changing. Mm-hmm. Um, and games just keep getting better. Um, uh, so one of the things that uh, that people are looking forward to this year is 
Uh, so but it's probably helpful if I give an example. Yeah, go. Last year, one of the big buzzwords was 4K. Oh, okay. What was I, what was I going to be – listen, you don't have to agree with it. <laughs> what was I going to be able to buy or what was going to be sold to me or what was going to be able to render 4K? All right. Mm-hmm. That was one of the buzzwords. And, like, that's interesting. Like, like for, for better or worse – for the record, previous buzzword previous buzzwords include 3D and VR, both of which have faded big time. Well, right, but it's important because those show off like advancements within the industry, it, yep. quote unquote advancements. Um, but it's but other things that people are looking forward to are this year things like crossplay, which has been something that people have wanted for a good. Basically, since this generation of consoles have launched the Xbox One and the PS4, people have been looking forward and wanting cross-play between their games. The ability to play on whatever box you have doesn't matter. You can play with your friends. Um, and what you've seen is... That sounded Fortnite. dirty somehow, but I'll let it slide. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Whatever box you have. You play with your friends. Doesn't matter um, how big your stick is, you can still be a part of it. There you go. <laughs> Sorry, keep going. Um, I totally so, threw you off there. Sorry. Yeah, a little bit. It's fine. <laughs> so let's um, look, look, look. Oh, that's what I was yeah. going to say. So, yeah. so, and and what we're going to look at, and when we talk about a lot of these, what's going to keep coming back to what I'm about going to say is, is what Fortnite has done, because Fortnite in itself is a the buzzword and a trendsetter. Because another big buzzword this year is going to be battle royales and who's making a battle royale. Mm-hmm. Um, and because Fortnite has crossplay, you could play with whoever you want. If whether or not you're on a PS4 or a PC, you can play with each other. If you're on your mobile phone, you can opt in to play with people on PS4 or PC. All right. Like uh, all that right. crossplay idea is huge. Mm-hmm. Um, especially with Xbox gamers, because they kind of feel left out. <laughs> yeah. By the way, um, the the, o- the only reason I, I I snickered at 4K earlier, I actually think 4K is more important than VR 3D by far, um, sure. and more applicable. The reason I snickered was though the hardcore gamers I follow are more uh, more concerned about the lack of good frame rate consistency at this point than 4K. We, we, we've we've had the 72060 conversation before. Like, like yeah, but people, but people I'm who saying, listen, like know this. Right, um, but but it's the same way. Like when the Xbox One was initially introduced, and they were like, "Well, we're going to charge you a hundred more dollars because of the Connect, which you all want, and it's going to make us sell." You know what I mean? And like that, of course, was a giant disaster, um, as we know the Xbox. So I, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I think we need to at least be careful about buzzwords because we don't know who's putting them out there and for what reason. Right. Um, yeah. I I, th- I think reliably though we can say that. The, the 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 biggest things we can look at this year, the yes. three things on my mind at least that I am mm-hmm. looking forward to. Go whatever is being talked about, and over who's talking about it. Mm-hmm. I'm interested in who is talking about crossplay, mm-hmm. who is talking about uh, battle royales. Mm-hmm. Even though I'm not, even though I'm not going to play them all, I'm just interested to see where this new form of multiplayer arena is taking because it's less than a, two years old um, and 
I was talking to you earlier, Call of Duty just announced their own battle royale. So which we will get back to. That's going to take which we will get um, back to. And I am personally interested mm-hmm. in new engine talk. Mm. When are these decade-old companies, mm-hmm. looking at you, Eric Division, going to finally ditch their old engines because of looking how at you, Microsoft X eighty six infrastructure, and, <laughs> and 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 I'm not going to be able to say this enough. Fortnite, what Fortnite has done, yes, with Unreal Engine. And listen, they own the engine. Epic Games owns the engine. So it's kind of not fair to be able to say, oh, yeah, let's just assume that Activision's not going to pay or we'll, we'll be willing to pay a billion dollars for that sure. Unreal Engine. They're not They're not willing to do that. But a new oh, engine yeah. is definitely a, a homemade engine, a new homemade engine. Yeah. That's not That's not a reasonable to ask. Yeah. Um, Although what's interesting really quickly is that everything from Dragon Quest Eleven, which I'm excited about, to I can't believe they're making Life is Strange too. I thought they were done, but the Life is Strange games and Dragon Quest Eleven both made on the Unreal Four engine, as are a lot of games. It's pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. But before we jump into these buzzwords and these big en- topics, engines and stuff, really quick, Eth, little kind of a little old man Brenner moment. I come from the Smash A generation, so I'm in the same generation <laughs> All right. here. Alright, a little old man Brenner moment. <clears throat> so do you want to know when the first E3 was? I'm gonna assume around the nineteen nineties. Nineteen ninety-five. Got it. Which was when StarCraft came out, which was in games were moving in a very good direction in terms of yeah, graphics. Didn't, didn't the first E three have vacuums? Like vacuum, vacuum tubes, yeah. No, like literal vacuums, like it's electronics. Like, um, yeah. It's possible, but it originally was a computer game convention, essentially. Mm-hmm. And now it's come to the part, point where it's a mix of, and this was the first big question I want to ask you about how it gets divided up between major publishers and major hardware companies. But like PC gaming, like has like a moment, but. PC gaming, while still a ginormous part of the gaming industry because of crossplay and games being released on multiple platforms as well as PC, it's not like the central part of it anymore. So I'm not going to ask you the history about that. So I'm going to ask you about the current E3 setup, which is how come only certain major publishers get featured and then the major, obviously the major hardware developers is a little easier to understand. But the fact that EA, Microsoft, Bethesda, Ubisoft, Square Enix, Sony, and Nintendo are billed as, you know, 95% of the main event. Like, how does that happen? And how are we supposed to think about that as gamers? So the first thing is, is that, um, first thing, um, these are the big dogs. And when I say the big dogs, I mean the big dogs. Like, there's nothing else that stands between these specific the, these specific publishers, developers, whatever, and the, the, the info platform. But they're not the any, naughty dogs. Any, but they're developers. That's with Sony. That's I'm them. just kidding. Like, they're know. there. Um, like, so... Any you could look at any one of these people, and I say people loosely as to represent the fact that they're all whatever. Um, you could look at any one of their their groups of achievements and say, yeah, I can understand why they are a famous 
company slash developer, and they definitely deserve to be up on that stage because they continue to make good products here and there. And that's just saying that as someone who either A, hasn't played all of the games that they've put out there, or B, can recognize why people like those games. Um, Mm -hmm. B, they pay a dickload of money to be up there. (laughs) And that's the important thing. Unlike some of the PAX conventions, where you do have to pay, but some of the other conventions where indie games are much more featured, E3 is all about the big dogs. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. Whoever whoever owns that convention center is yep. literally like milking mm-hmm. money. Which, um, by the way, perfectly mirrors the film industry, where Disney is at the top, owns like seventy percent of the market share, and then you've got Warner Brothers, Paramount, Universal, and Fox and so forth fighting over the rest. But there's still like only four or five major studios in terms of mm-hmm. distribution. So this isn't that far from that, which is, I just bring that in because that's something I know better, understand better, and obviously cover more. Go the ahead. The funny, the, what's actually cool about that comparison is that since the, since the video game and the industry is still so young, all of these different companies are actually, it's, it's, they, they actually kind of match social trends because they all mm. shift positions so consistently. Hmm. Like so? if you, well, E3 is the American convention equivalent for the industry, but you uh, have, you, you have, you have, um, you have, you have one over in Germany. There's one over in France. There's one over in Japan. There's one over, there's a, there's a couple of them. I think there's one over in Italy too. And there's definitely one in Britain. And then there's one in Australia. No way. Um, Italy is too poor and corrupt. <laughs> maybe. The other, the other ones I'll buy. Yeah. It's possible. They have a European team for Overwatch, so. Yeah. But whatever. But whatever. I digress. Um, so, um, what's important to recognize about that is that Microsoft, the 360, that was dominant here in the US. Mm-hmm. But you go anywhere else, the PS3 was dominant. So you could have looked here in America and said, we're in the 360 days for E3 and said, yeah, Microsoft is at the head of the stage. But mm-hmm. if you follow the social trends about what happened with the Xbox One and just in general, um, the fact that Sony made a much better system and had better games, um, you can clearly say that, yeah, uh, this is uh, like the, the, they, they shifted to the forefront of gaming. Mm-hmm. And at the Sony, the Sony stage is... Much has been better, more years than the Microsoft can, uh, stage has been for E3 consistently yep. Yep. since the release of yep. the current generation. Of All right, so let me, let, me, let me set this up, and then guys, we're going to talk about the major publishers and the major hardware developers slash publishers and go over the, 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 the highlights that we're looking forward to or just curious about or weird or bad or any of those fun things to talk about. Really quick, ETH, though. Mm-hmm. Something we haven't really pointed out in our podcast is that while Nintendo kills it all over the world, they still very much are concerned with the Japanese and Asian market. <clears throat> and that's why it takes so long to convert some games and get them localized and so forth. Um, They've gotten so much better. Wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let me finish. Let me finish. I'm saying Nintendo kills it everywhere, but I, I think it's cool that they still care about the East Asia as well. Okay. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Microsoft Xbox, let's be honest, sells very few units outside of this country and maybe Western Europe. I mean, no one in Japan, China, and Korea have Xboxes, from what I understand. Look at, look, you, you, like, I always refer back to an article I read 
mm-hmm. that one in one week, like in in a popular week of sales for Xbox units, Japan sold six. Mm-hmm. Six. Yep. What's the population of Japan? Some hundred million. Two hundred million something. Yeah. Six. <clears throat> and you know, one of the reasons I like Sony um, is because um. To quote the Wu Tang Clan, diversify y'all bonds, bitches. Is Sony does well all over the world, including in Asia and Europe and America, and mm-hmm. that can be a good thing or a bad thing, depending on the game, depending on the time, depending on the system. It's worked out really well for them recently, as we've talked about. It's just an interesting thing I wanted to point out, contrasting the systems geographically, because you were kind of talking about that. So I just wanted to bring that up. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we've got the major publishers, right? We've got EA. And then Microsoft, of course, counts as a publisher as well, which is something we should talk about. And then Bethesda, Ubisoft, and Squeenix, as we call it, Square Enix. <clears throat> Arguably, Square Enix has never been as good as when they were Square, um, but that's a topic for another time. The fact that everyone's obsessed with the Final Fantasy VII remake that's never going to happen just shows that that's the case. So, Ethan, I'm going to set up the big seven or eight here, and why don't we just go in order, if you're cool with that? Sure. So I'll read the companies. But, but can, we, can we skip EA? Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, they're first, so we can get through them really quick. So let me just read Fuck the order. EA. I'm going to read the order, and then we'll jump in on what we care about. Okay? Mm-hmm. All right. <clears throat> EA, June 9th, 11 a.m. Pacific time. Microsoft, June 10th, 1 p.m. Pacific time. Bethesda, June 10th, 6.30 Pacific time. Ubisoft, June 11th, 1 p.m. Pacific time. Squeenix, June 11th, 10 a.m. Pacific time. Sony, June 11th, 6 p.m. Pacific time, which of course is the best time. I don't know how they got that. And then Nintendo, June 12th, 9 a.m. Pacific time, but no one's going to care because it's Nintendo. So everyone will get up hungover and sick as shit and go to that because Nintendo. So it's smart. So what should we not be talking about about EA? The only thing I can think of at the moment you, is Anthem. All the yeah, Anthem you're movies. excited about Anthem. Oh, I love the idea. I mean, have you seen the trailer? Yeah, I have, and everyone wants it to succeed, but no one trusts EA right now. Right. I just just case in point being, uh, I don't know if you saw that. Uh, there are rumors flying around that they're going to ditch Battlefront Two uh, support entirely. They're going to stop it, just to ditch it. Like no more patches. Just like whatever DLC they made put it out there, but no more support patches. Which actually isn't that big of a deal because the people are playing it, including a lot of, well, hold on, including a lot of the Star Wars podcast nerds I know who are well aware of how flawed it is and how fucked up the blue box thing is and they don't pay for that shit, but they like to play with each other. Mm Mm-hmm. As long as the game isn't crashing and as long as they've got the loot boxes under control, which it seems like they have, there's really no reason to, especially if Disney has already revoked or is threatening to revoke the license. Um, well, I'm not talking about like making more content for the game. I'm talking about sustainment of the game. Like they're, they are, they are, they've decided that they are no longer going to sustain the game. If, if servers are shutting down and bugs are crashing, I can tell you for a fact, there are tens of millions of star Wars fans out there who will, as much as they hate EA now, truly never forgive them. And that makes me think Disney has revoked the license. And so EA's telling EA is telling them to go fuck themselves is my interpretation. Maybe. I don't know. It's just a rumor. There hasn't been an official announcement yet, but, um, all right. So anyway. give me one reason why Anthem could be cool. And one reason why Anthem could fail. And then we'll move on from EA. 
Anthem has no PvP, so it's a sole PvE looter shooter game. And it's all about, I, I don't know, aliens, dystopia, not really dystopia, like uh, post-apocalypse future thing. I don't know. You get to wear an Iron Man suit and run around and kill aliens. Like Sure. <laughs> sure, why not? You, you get to wear a customizable Iron Man suit yeah. and run around and kill aliens. Like, why would you not want to? He doesn't want to be Tony Stark. Come on. Like, exactly. Exactly. Um, the environment I feel looks good, gorgeous. Mr. Stark. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> The environment looks gorgeous. I, 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 the surrounding environments, the the being able to like traverse through a little bit of water there, mm-hmm. um, like just the, the trail, the, what, everything they put there looked gorgeous. If the entire game is like that, and there is stuff to do, it's a success. Why wouldn't I want to play that? Yeah. Um, they also I'm make most of succeed. their money putting out the same sports games over and over again every single year. Right. Um, so, I mean, like, yeah, I, I'm excited. I'm excited for what it could be. I'm excited for another looter shooter on the market because we never have enough of those as I tirelessly I, explained last episode. Yeah, And we'll get, we'll get to that with, you know, I mean, we'll get to that, but I will say last podcast, you know, I accused EA and Ubisoft of wanting to make services and not games. Mm-hmm. But it was a little unfair comparison because I do think Ubisoft is back to trying to make games. EA, though, I don't trust. I still think they're trying to make services. No, but I, I feel I feel like if if an EA developer, if one of the EA developers is going to make something interesting, it'll be Bioware, who they've pillaged from top to bottom since Mass Effect. Listen, but but if there is one of them that is going to do something, which one do you trust the most? Ethan, I have had more fun watching you play Destiny 2 than playing Mass Effect Andromeda. That's how bad that game was. But they they pillaged the, the team for Bioware. I don't consider that a Bioware game. Exactly. I'm talking about the creative All and right. Bioware was thrown right. on Anthem. Okay, right. okay. Let's, people's let's, time let's and our time is question. valuable, so let's get to the important people here, okay? All right. Okay. Here we go. Here we go. Microsoft who I like to shit on, you know, they've been doing better these days. Obviously, the Xbox One X is an impressive piece of hardware, even if they don't have any games to play on it other than Xbox 360 games. And Windows 10 is the most stable Windows ever, as far as, far as I could tell. So Microsoft is, is doing better. They're also a publisher, though. So, Eth, before you get us into talking about some Microsoft games and, and or exclusives or whatever, like... From your point of view, you're Microsoft. How the hell do you um, do you separate between your proprietary operating system software, your games, and your console hardware? Consistently. Yeah, I mean, how how do they how do they juggle that, and why? Other than money. well, the, fir- the, the 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 first thing is that like there's right now there's no other way to shift things around other than physically with. Uh, with button pressing or with cable swapping. Uh, unfortunately, the way my monitor setup works, my TV setup works, like that's just how it works. Um, but that's kind of besides the point. Um, I, I, I'd say I, I'd say it hasn't changed from the times when maybe you or I were a kid where you would have to take out the disc, put the new disc in, 
what the game you wanted to play, put it in, and then you'd be playing what the game you wanted. Oh yeah, Wing, Wing it's, Commander it's, it's Four. Just, just I believe. Process. Hold on, really quickly. Take you back to 1995. Wing Commander Four, uh, one of the best space flight sims ever, which starred Mark Hamill, who was in Wing Commander Three as the lead pilot. Amazing. I believe had eight discs CDs. I believe for like a 15 hour game. <laughs> So that's, yeah. that's how far we've come. The, yeah, I mean, like, the process hasn't changed much outside of that, just in like a simplified area of that. Mm-hmm. Or, whatever I'm doing, I'm still opening mm-hmm. a library, whether it's mm-hmm. my Steam library, whether it's looking down at the shelves below my uh, at mm-hmm. my feet, at my games, you know what I'm yeah. talking about, and yep. pulling out a disc and putting it in, Yeah, whether right. it's well, look, changing chords, that hasn't changed. I, I, got a little, I got a nice little website here, okay? Okay. So here are ten things, uh, which is uh, which the site says could could help save the Xbox at E3 2018, and I'll just read the uh, ones that are either I consider important or that you and I can talk about, and you can tell me the level to which this is important and, and or realistic. Can I just do one side note? Of course. I just want to give a really cool kudos to Microsoft because this or- week they released a controller that is designed to be adaptable for every situation for disabled people so they can play video games. Yep, accessibility is humongous. Yep, fucking awesome. Thank you. Anyway, go ahead. I can't believe there aren't left-handed controllers all over the place. I don't understand. I was thinking about this literally actually even the other day. Uh, I think... And by the way, for the record... Left-handed, but I play with my mouse on my right. For the record... As someone who has used Sony products my whole life, has a PS2, PS3, PS4, I actually have gotten used to the PS4 controllers being pretty good. PS3 was slippery. I still think the stick um, placement on the Xbox 360 controller is the best placement I've found because it balances out your hands when you're trying to hit both sticks hard, I I think, well. Um, So I will give them credit. Top three controllers, GameCube, Xbox 360, DualShock 4. Yep. All right. So you ready? Mm-hmm. E3 2018, 10 Xbox saving announcements Microsoft must make. Here we go. Number 10, future content for Sea of Thieves. Which, they have, which, which they've actually put out several videos on, and there's been roadmaps and blah, 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 blah. So there is content. Go. But do you think it's enough content to save it from just feeling like, oh, we're a bunch yes. of pirates and there's nothing going yes. on here? Okay. Yeah, there's a lot that actually happening. And we'll connect this to No Man's Sky, which I want to save for later, because I think you're ahead of the curve on this one, because I'm actually... Um, Total Biscuit has got me on board with the idea of multiple releases for games now, like where even shitty games with big promises get a second chance if they're really good. The same way we've seen... Um, why do I keep forgetting the name of the Tom Clancy game that everyone's back on their dick for? Um, Siege. Siege, yep. Yeah. So I think that could happen for No Man's Sky. We're going to save that, though, okay? Mm-hmm. Okay. Number nine, price cuts on hardware. Okay. What do you think? Is that necessary? I think the original Xbox One is so cheap, you can literally go buy it anywhere. Mm-hmm. So I, uh, I I think for a new, I think the S should be $200. Mm-hmm. If it's not already, I think it is. I, if mm-hmm. not, it needs to go on sale frequently. Um, and I think the X should remain where it is. It's too new, and it's the best hardware on the market for consoles, mm-hmm. so I don't think that has to change. 
Number eight, I don't know why this isn't number one, but apparently it's number eight, but this will give us a good talking point. Lack of third-party exclusives. That's not their fault. That's just the fact that it's not popular enough. But why is everyone doing them for the PlayStation? Because Sony, I'm, I'm, a, I'm pretty sure Sony's a, like a better deal on getting them in. Microsoft, here's the thing. One, mm-hmm. Microsoft charges too much. Um, mm-hmm. They just do. I'm pretty sure. Um, uh, the they. Uh, I mean, Sony literally gives money to other companies to do this. Well, right, and Microsoft has never had a good Xbox enthusiasts. I'm gonna call mm-hmm. them enthusiasts because that's what we go with. Um, are not the people I would, at, at a broad line, associate with um, tons of awesome single-player campaigns or JRPGs in general. Mm-hmm. Because that's always been Sony's thing. So, and any JRPG has never sold well <clears throat> on an Xbox. Okay, so that's going to lead to really... I'm going to skip to number five because the other ones weren't that good. I'll skip to number five related exactly to that point, but very quickly. What is your understanding about how Microsoft lost the Call of Duty semi-exclusive thing? They spent all their money on Titanfall. And then Sony came in and was like, hey, we'll pay Activision more money. And Activision was like, sure. Which is too bad because Titanfall 2 is super fun. Mm-hmm. All right. Speak, the point you were just speaking on. Number five, important thing for Microsoft, Fable 4. Go. Great. Go for it. I'll, I'll, I'll take it. Sure. Have you played the other Fable games? Not in a chance, but I know it's super popular. How is the game both so popular and so reviled at the same time, often by the same people? Have you ever heard of a game called Destiny? <laughs> Interesting. Fable 1 was good. It built. It needed to build upon its systems. It had a niche community. People loved it. Fable two took all that out the window. Mm-hmm. Fable three comes in, tries to revive the series, doesn't do it that well, and then Fable four, like mobile or whatever it's called, not four. It's not actually called four. Mm-hmm. Uh, recircled everything back together from one that was great about it before two and made an awesome game and it became it started to grow popularity again so fable 4 will be a new fable game that's taken everything that's great about the series and put it into a proper console release all right so the next one is related to to what we've just been talking about but this is first party ips okay so games in the past that have sold really well for them, like Halo, Gears of War, and even games like Forza, which I'm not into, but I know a lot of people are. Why aren't they happening more often and or other new IPs coming out of Microsoft? They don't have any. But why? <sighs> Scalebound got canceled. Sea of Thieves was in development for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um... Gears of War is not a new IP. Um, no, but I'm even talking about continuing popular IPs that haven't been around much, like Halo. Well, you saw what happened when they rushed Halo 5. 
Yeah. Is that the multiplayer is great. Everyone always loves Halo multiplayer, but it ends up that a lot of people didn't like that. Um, hmm. So that's probably part of it. Um, All right. Well, look, I don't have an answer to that specifically. I just, it, what, what the, the short, the, the, well, the, the brutal answer is they don't have, they don't have the res- they, they don't, they don't, they're not smart enough to put the resources into making awesome new games. Um, they don't, they just, they just don't do that. <laughs> they never have. Xbox has always been a pet project of Microsoft. They never really have yeah. d- dive full into it. And that's and why I think they should they give did. up on it and let Sony and Nintendo go head to head with computers at the other side. Now they're in computer the door. PC gaming is making way more money of market share than people are reporting. They're in the door. They've spent they've spent one percent of their funds for Xbox on Windows gaming. So, like, if they tried to enter the gaming market on on PC mm-hmm. already, they are. What they right. should do is mm-hmm. continue to develop Xbox, but make a crossplay with Windows. That's how they get into the PC market. But mm-hmm. if they try to just dive right in, they're gonna flop so hard. All right, I don't want to stick on Microsoft because I don't care about Microsoft or Xbox. I will ask you this: Nintendo and Sony, on all levels, seem to be ahead of Xbox in the important things. Is there mm-hmm. anything Microsoft can do to catch up at this point, or do they keep one foot in the game just because they can afford to? Yeah, release new shit. Um, they have exclusive shit with Anthem, assuming it's good. Assuming they release Fable, assuming they release Halo 6, assuming they release New Gears of War, assuming they release New Forza, they will remain above water. <laughs> the problem is, is that they need new stuff and they don't have new stuff at least from what we've seen who knows what could happen i have not heard jack shit rumor wise from microsoft probably because people don't care that's the first thing but two is that like who who knows how much they're keeping so close to their chest Mm -hmm. nintendo was like that for a little bit too like they had so much shit. Cl- they, well, they've always had shit close to their chest, but the switch like blew up, right? So who's to say that Microsoft is not going to pull the same thing? Who's to say that after the Titanfall incident, that they have not been holding their cards and playing, wait, playing the waiting game for as long as possible, mm-hmm. so that they could start to release shit and maybe Sea of Thieves was just the quote unquote like beginning. Okay, and 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 and. and, and before you say anything, let's just assume Sea of Thieves as a, like a full content release is, for all intents and purposes, a success. I mean, look, I I, I mock um, uh, No Man's Sky just because everyone does and it's so easy. But I still think, and we'll get to this later. I still think No Man's Sky has a thousand percent more higher ceiling of goodness than Sea of Thieves ever will. I know people love pirates, but if you look at the game itself, there's just not a lot going on. So maybe these content patches will have a lot of stuff, but I still wouldn't invest money in it. Whereas I might buy, you know, No Man's Sky for twenty bucks if they really add a lot of shit. But let me let me transition here. Can I transition? Sure, go ahead. Let me transition. Can I transition to Bethesda? Mm-hmm. Okay. I got what, do I, what do I what do I always say about Bethesda? Good games, too many books. Yeah, amazing world building, amazing single player game design, role playing games, too many bugs. 
And then they lose guys like John Gonzalez who did no Vegas to horizon because of shit like that. Um, but, but there's a little game called yeah. Starfield, which is supposedly Skyrim in space. What have you heard about this game? Is this really happening or is this just pure hype? I think that's happening. And I supposedly we're getting fallout slash Skyrim V uh, BR. Mm-hmm. Not kidding. Right. So also important to mention Bethesda's porting doom to switch. Has that happened yet? That's already happened. Yeah, I have it. They're definitely porting Wolfenstein 2 Wolf, this summer. Wolfenstein, Wolfenstein is the next, up, next one coming yep, up. It's I the summer. I saw it on the list. Would be surprised uh, if Fallout's next. Has Skyrim happened? Skyrim already happened. Yep, I own that as well. How have Doom and Skyrim uh, fared um, on the Switch? Skyrim is just for Skyrim. Um, B- buggy Doom, or, or, or pretty clean? It's clean enough. Okay. The problem, the problem, the problem with that is, is it feels like, and I'm, I'm going to say the same thing that all the people you listen to say, say, which is, it's too old. Like it's just, it's just Skyrim. It's just still Skyrim. Like there's nothing new here. It's just Skyrim. need mods. Need mods. It, it, I actually don't like Skyrim mods that much, but um, that's just me. But like, because it's, it's think, flat. It just feels flat the whole game. Uh, I think it's great for. Okay. I, I think it's great there. I think it's great. Mm-hmm. I think the problem is is that you have Zelda, and if you were to say I can pick one, you should you would go with Zelda. That's the thing. Um, All right. Well, we're gonna get to Nintendo. We're gonna get to Nintendo. Right, Let's right, stay focused. Right, so, really right. quick, really quick, Doom. 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 Well, hold Doom. on. Let me let me let me let me build this up real quick. Let me build this up. We had Doom, we had Wolfenstein. Wolfenstein was the original in the early 90s. Doom came, but Doom was the one that changed everything. And most people I know, even though if they really like the Wolfenstein campaign and the feel of it, say that as a pure shooter, Doom is a million times better. Mm -hmm. But do you know what happened with Doom on release? They didn't uh, they, provide they, they review, review copies. copies. Yeah, they pulled review copies. And everyone right. was like, oh no, this is going to be so bad. And it turned out to be one of the greatest games ever created. So you have one of the biggest and oldest publishers in Bethesda who you think would have all the confidence in the world in this amazing Doom reboot game that everybody loved even more so, I think, percentage-wise than Wolfenstein. Especially, definitely more than Wolfenstein 2. So why, why does a company like Bethesda pull something like that for a because, game that's so be, clearly great? Because this was 2016 where every game was bad. Every game was getting shit on. XCOM 2. And, 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 and <laughs> I, I, think, I, think, I think they were worried that people were going to complain that it was short or that the multiplayer was bad, which it was. Um or that they, they were going to complain a bunch and they were going to give it like a 6 out of 10 and it was going to be forever, forever forgotten to the ages of history. And they were like, well, we better just make people buy our game because if mm-hmm. we're a publisher, that's what we have to do. That's how marketing works. Um, you know, it's shitty. Um, and that's what they went with. And it ended up being great because people wanted that. Um, they just didn't realize. They, I, I, think they, I think they got the right response for the wrong reasoning that they had. <laughs> when they were making a game it's it's what it's one of those things that you do accidentally that you said to your parents that's actually the right spot 
this it's the right thing to say even though you don't know why you said it or how you explained it <laughs> yeah sure <laughs> it's the same thing because uh, other than starfield which is like what's the um what's the chris roberts game that people are like spending real money to buy planets on and stuff like that um speaking of wing commander um that Mark Hamill's in, people are already buying like virtual property. This is like five years old at this point. You know who I'm talking about. The space. It's like No Man's Sky on Star Fortnite. Citizen? Yeah, Star Citizen, yeah. So this game seems even less fully fleshed out than Star Citizen at this point. Starfield, supposedly Skyrim in space. I don't know if they can pull this off without a ton of bugs. But honestly, man, I'm looking at this. I'm, uh, other than Rage 2, which I'm still not totally clear. Maybe you can tell me. But it's just a lot of ports at this point with Bethesda. What's your view on where they're at right now? I think Bethesda's in a great spot. Okay. Because... I don't know if you heard about Rage. Did you hear about Rage? Well, Rage 2 was what I wanted to talk to you about. I don't know a lot about Rage. Um, I know a lot of people like it. I think I think Bethesda's great. And Bethesda's in a really good spot for, several, for, for a big reason. And that is, they can kind of... They're kind of like Square Enix, but in the sense that they're... Um, they can kind they can, they, they can They can take a hat with a bunch of names on it and just pull something out and say, yeah, we can do that at any time. But that is going to do that. And it could be any one of their games remaked, added a sequel or a continuation or more DLC of anything they have. Because they could literally do pull any of those things out of a hat and just uh, for any of their games and say, sure, let's do it. Um, hmm. Like, and people will buy it. It's, Similar to Nintendo, except I'd say a little more. Uh, I, w- I don't want to say hipstery, but more like niche. I'd, I'd say like it's, it's a core niche of just how they operate. Mm-hmm. So um, here, <clears throat> here's what I'm looking at. Okay, mm-hmm. here's what I'm looking at. I'm on Heavy.com, Bethesda E3. Here's what I'm looking at. Okay. The first thing is Elder Scrolls 6, which I'm going to say for last, for obvious reasons, okay? <clears throat> okay. A major Prey DLC. Speaking of Doom, Prey is a game that I have heard is so much better than the amount of units that has sold, but just nobody has played it, and now they're giving it DLC? I don't understand. I have it on my PS4 if we want to play it sometime. Um, I've heard it's great. I Yeah, I mean, like, I played through it. Um, I think... Mm-hmm. It's like Bioshock, right? It's, it's either you're cool feeling concept. it early or not. It's yeah. a super cool concept that yeah. was a fun gaming experience that yeah. never took off. Yeah. And that's that, fine. I think that's, that's fine. That's how that's I feel fine. about Bioshock. That's what, yeah. that's what Bethesda's good at. Because right. talk, speaking of Rage, like, <laughs> that, that was his own niche thing. And they said, okay, let's make Rage 2. Mm-hmm. They went for it. That's what they're doing. All right. Well, um, speaking of sequels, they're still banking on Quake Champions. I don't know if Quake's ever coming back, which is too bad because as much hype and great reboots as Wolfenstein and Doom has had, Quake was the was the third from id Software and by far the best and the coolest. Quake 
two, three, and four, and like Quake Arena were amazing back in the day. But I don't think anyone cares about Quake Champions. Thoughts? Everybody made the mistake of trying to make an arena shooter in 2017. Because if right. you make an but arena Quake shooter was in doing it in 1998. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But if you make an arena shooter in 2017, what you saw happen was PUBG and Fortnite kicked their ass mm-hmm. okay. <laughs> straight out of nowhere. So I'm going to read some more lists. These are major Bethesda supposed listings, and you'll see how pathetic this is. The Elder Scrolls Online DLC. Do you know anybody who spends time playing the Elder Scrolls Online? Yeah, a lot of people. I know, but I mean, come on. As a primary? I Really? Know. Okay, I don't know anyone. I must I be too know. old. New mobile games. Who cares? Okay, new Doom. That's what people care about, and hopefully they'll launch it correctly this time. Mm-hmm. In, in, in the age of in the age of what we've seen, Doom, God of War, these core older series come back in a new light. Mm-hmm. There's no reason why they can't go for Doom too. Like, can I tell you the description of all we know about Starfield, by the way, which is a terrible, terrible name. They, they should absolutely change that name. Starfield it sounds a, so much like Star Citizen. Yes, go. Yeah. I, it, it, I mean, how about Stellaris? That's a great name. That's close, but better. <laughs> Let me tell you the description here and you'll tell me what this sounds like. Go for it. You ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Completely free space travel, meaning like freeform space travel, procedurally generated worlds, and settlement building. What does that sound like to you, Ethan? Sounds like No Man's Sky meets Sea of Thieves. Meets Mass Effect Andromeda, all of which are crap as of the moment. That's it. And then it's Skyrim for Nokia phones, refrigerators, and all sorts of shit. (laughs) I'm not making this up, dude. This is what Bethesda is going to be promoting. Do you remember? Uh, do you remember that moment when the X, original Xbox uh, X Xbox One announcement was, and they basically said it sucked for multiplayer. That's what the Xbox 360 is for, or whatever. Like that's what's going on here. And I'll end with Elder Scrolls Six. It's been seven years since Skyrim. All they need to do is put out a great new Elder Scrolls game, a great new Doom, and a great new Fallout in the next couple of years, and they don't seem to even be able to do that from what I can tell, but maybe I'm being overly cynical here. No, 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 no. You're not. You want to know why you're not? Why? Because for years, there has been a separate team of people. I'm closing this tab. I'm just angered watching at it. Keep going. Who have been making a mod for skyrim that is a full new open world expansion storyline with its own assets mm-hmm. and assets is a oh. asset assets is a broad term for saying weapons sandbox yeah uh, yeah textures. unity unreal engine blah 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 for and the we- record for the record of all the things bethesda gets credit for Trying to charge for some high-end mods in which there's profit sharing with the makers of the mods, I think was one of the most overreported and exaggerated stories ever. I think if people are creating mods that are making money for Bethesda, I am totally fine with that if people know what they're paying for. That's literally how every single Team Fortress 2 and CSGO item has ever been created. Mm Mm-hmm. Literally I know, but don't you feel like 
Don't you feel like people's reaction to that was the same as when they find out that their four ninety nine subscription to Twitch isn't all going to the Twitcher? And you're like, dude, the service got to get paid, right? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, when I when I first knew about that, I was, I, I basically said to myself, okay, I like, whatever. <laughs> Like, 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 if you're gonna pay for mods, why are you paying for mods? Yeah, I think that was more of a thing for to, okay. To All, right. Pop- All right, people. All right. All right. Anyway, it, it, All right. We're going down I'm pulling the bizzle here. I am pulling a bizzle here. We are going to ramp up this coverage because I'm sick of talking about Microsoft and Bethesda. Okay, <clears throat> here we go. But but look, look I I just, I just want to say about Elder Scrolls. Yeah, go ahead. I think I think it'll be awesome to finally get a new. I want to concur with you. We should definitely be seeing, even if it's a JPEG, I want to know that there's an Elder Scrolls 6 because Elder Scrolls Online is fantastic, but Square Enix moved on from Final Fantasy 11 and Final Fantasy 14. Yeah. All right. So we should see, we, we, we should see it. All right. So we we're, we're, we're going to ramp up into the two most important, which is Sony and Nintendo. Okay. So we're going to ramp up slowly here. Okay. What about 2K? (laughs) So um, I'm going to ignore that. Um, Would you rather talk Squeenix first or Ubisoft first? Um, Sorry, Square Enix. I can't stop calling it Squeenix. Go for it. That's fine. That's a proper name. Um, I'm like Squeenix. I can talk about all day because of Octopath. Okay. Let's save that because I want to talk about that. And also uh, the sort of cultural insanity around Final Fantasy VII. Let's save that for the next topic. Let's talk about Ubisoft, okay? I actually don't know what they're releasing. Can you? Okay, no, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, me? I'm gonna bring it to you. I'm gonna bring it to you right now. So, what did we say was by far Ubisoft's biggest success in 2017, Ethan? From a critical we, and critical standpoint, was it was it Siege or was it? Um, uh, uh, Assassin's Creed. It would be Mario and Rabbit's Kingdom Battle. Oh, 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 oh! Well, Which? Why was, was it so great? Because Nintendo was, was looking over their shoulder, saying, "Don't fuck this up, assholes." Yeah. Look, Assassin's Creed Origins was an improvement. Definitely, it's still not where it needs to be. They should probably cancel the series. Far Cry Five is, you know. I mean, the best thing I've heard about Far Cry 5 is it's a pretty good Far Cry game. But I think they are moving in the right direction with Siege. Okay. Now, the game series that people really want back with Tom Clancy is Splinter Cell, which is one of the original stealth games, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yep. I don't know which came first, Splinter Cell or was, um, was Metal Gear Solid. I'm pretty sure it was pre-Metal Gear. But there's also a game that you've talked a lot about, which is The Division Part 2. Yeah, I, I think we'll get... Yeah, I, th- I think we'll get a Division 2 announcement. What... I, I really don't know much about Division. I know a little bit more about Siege. What, what makes Division versus Siege unique? Uh... Well, 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 what is nice is that um, between Siege, Division... What's that other one? Well, because um, I feel like Siege is a Tom Clancy tactical shooter that I understand. Well, I don't get what, what Division is. 
Okay, so so Division is also a third person. It's a third person tactical shooter, but it's supposed to be an MMO loot crawler like Diablo. Um, what's nice about the Division, the Siege, and some of the other Tom Clancy games is that they all exist in the same universe, kind of like the MCU, but it's been pre-established for years. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you're like really into the lore, which is nice for people who are dedicated to these games is that you have, like, a really cool extended story going on. Um, but besides that, um, uh, TLDR, imagine if Smallpox was adaptive in modern day and it was put on money spread throughout New York. Mm-hmm. And you, U.S. had sleeper agents who were then tasked to put back society into New York. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you don't like you've been cut off from the outside. Like New York's been cut off, so you don't have no idea whether or not the sickness has spread to the rest of the world. But all you know is that your job is to put New York back together. Mm-hmm. That's that's the TLDR. Um, the, the fact that the two most notable, I think, sort of historical achievements of Ubisoft in 2017 was a making Siege not only viable but for a lot of hardcore gamers to come back to it, <clears throat> and b Mario vs. Rabbids, which shows what can happen when they are dealing with an established IP, but with another company that's letting them do it, but making sure that they're not screwing it up, that being Nintendo. Mm-hmm. It's not a coincidence that that has the highest score of any of the games they released last year is Mario vs. Rabbids. It's not, a, it's not a coincidence that that's a Nintendo game. Yes, I would, I would agree. But and So let, I want to yeah, with all due respect to Ubisoft and their work, yes, only take out that as their a big their biggest accomplishment because if Nintendo was looking over their shoulders the whole time, I don't necessarily credit all of that to their uh, obviously it's I don't, their work. You know what I, I think I it say, is? I would say it's not a finished product if Nintendo said it's not finished till it's finished. Look, let's be honest. We've both been in the workplace. You're much younger than me, but you've had jobs, right? Yes. You're going to be scared of your boss no matter what. I love my boss, but go ahead. (laughs) The boss that's... But even bosses you love, you need to be a little scared of them. And the bosses that are effective are the ones that don't have to ever come down on you and treat you well. And you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. As opposed to the bosses that need to constantly assert their authority over you. And I think that actually Nintendo was the former version. I don't think they were over their shoulder literally telling them, do this, do that. I think it was like, fuck, we finally got a Nintendo property. We can't fuck this up. And so it was the fear of Nintendo coming down on them that made them ultimately make a good product, is my interpretation. Sure. Yeah. So to, to, to round out Ubisoft, again... They did with Watch Dogs 2 what they should have done with Watch Dogs 1. I know a lot of people think Watch Dogs 2 is really good and underrated, but people were burned by Watch Dogs 1. They are making Watch Dogs 3, I guess, more open world stuff. Okay. To me, the thing that is most exciting, specifically because Sea of Thieves has not succeeded or been as good as we were hoping, is Skull and Bones. Especially because... 
it, for me, Assassin's Dash Creed Soul, Black Flag was by far the best Assassin's Creed game I've played that's not Assassin's Creed 2. And the best parts of that game were the pirate game, and basically they're using those people to make Skull and Bones. I don't know if it's going to be better than Black Flag or Sea of Thieves, but to me, that's the most exciting. Thoughts? Oh, yeah. I, I, it definitely looked awesome. Um, I think... I think it has the potential to be awesome. I think, I think, I think they also, and uh, let's hope that they continue their trend of making better and better games. But this could also be the one that turns that reputation right back to where it was, and they could have just literally stripped the entire thing from four, give it prettier graphics, and given you minor quests to do like Sea Thieves did. But I think if they gave tons of content, people would be totally down with that. And if they do that awesome go for it it'd yeah. be awesome yeah um, yep yep but outside of that mm-hmm. i think they are also keeping something hidden like microsoft i think they're i think they're hiding something mm-hmm. well and to be fair i think one of the lessons they that ubisoft has learned from when you look at assassin's creed origins and far cry is that they realize it's not the pure size of the open world that matters, but the density and amount of things to do within that world, right? Uh-huh. So they don't need to do a game that spans the entire Atlantic, Caribbean, and Pacific Oceans. They should do what Pirates of the Caribbean did back when they were making good movies and just focus on a relatively small area and make it full of all sorts of craziness is what I would do. So you're not having to look three hours to find another ship to go after is, I think, one of the problems Sea of Thieves have. So we'll see about that. All right, buddy. Let's jump to Squeenix here. Give it, lay it on me. We got, we got Final Fantasy VII rumors saying like 2023, Kingdom Hearts 3, a game I don't understand, uh, all sorts of an Avengers game of some sort. What do you got for me from Square Enix? All right. Let's, let, let, let's get Final Fantasy VII out of the way. Other than Life is Strange 2, what, what? I have I have I have called up the head director of Square Enix. Really? All right, all right, all right, all right. and, and th- this is what I got from him. All right, all right, all right. I can hereby confirm right here on the Bizzlecast. Give it to me. Final Fantasy VII remake will come out on the same day as Half Life Three. <laughs> Wouldn't it be great if that happened and they cannibalized one another sales? That would be hilarious. <laughs> Oh Which God. one would you play? That's the real question. Well, you have a, I don't think you, you haven't played the Half Life games, have you? Uh, I played Half Life Two. Oh, you played Half Life Two? Okay. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I like Half Life. Yeah, the, all of it or just episode? I don't just, remember. Just I didn't own it, but I definitely played it with a friend. Yeah, because there's Half Life Two, there's Half Life Two Episode One, and then Half Life Two Episode Two. Yeah, those came out a little bit after I was out of high school, done gaming. But okay. I, I've definitely okay. played parts of at least Half Life and or Half Life. <laughs> Yeah. Two, yeah. Those all make good Switch games. Um, anyway. Um, I think Half-Life 3, if it was really good, would far outsell the Final Fantasy remake. I'm not too sure, because... Because I think by the time this happens, people will have totally tired of Final Fantasy 7, and they'll still want a good shooter, because we're going to get to Black Ops, but we're not there yet, so... Anyway. One thing at a time. Anyway. Is Final uh, Fantasy 7 ever happening? I don't think so. I think and I, don't, and I don't care. I think it will. I think they were too busy releasing 15, and I think they were too busy sustaining 14 while also releasing 15 Windows Edition. Can I give you a theory? And the remake of 12, again. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Can I give you a theory? Mm-hmm. 
So you know how a lot of the big YouTubers um, and even like nerd podcasters, but you don't follow that as much with YouTubers and Twitchers are kind of my age or slightly younger, grew up in the 80s and 90s with the nostalgia. Mm -hmm. Is that Final Fantasy VII hit in a period in the late 90s when PC and console gaming were starting to come together. Along with Tomb Raider, Final Fantasy VII was cross-platform at the time, not much was... And the people I listened to are mostly PC gamers, and that was a console game you could play on the PC, like one of the first ever. And I think there's just so much nostalgia because Final Fantasy went from a great 2D, but very overly, you know, uh, grindy JRPG to a Western style RPG with a JRPG. skin if that makes sense Mm -hmm. and i think that's where the love of the game is because no one seems to love any final fantasy game other than maybe six as much as seven what's your perception of seven as someone who was born after that game came out uh i hear it is a i hear it's one of the godfather games in the sense that it is transcendent among video games is up there with those games that are legendary for both rpg and for gamers in general uh as someone who's never played a final fantasy game i don't know how to feel about it the other thing is i will give a credit is we get used to this now with uncharted and last of us and god of war new god of war and zelda narrative there weren't a lot of games that were that narratively focused back then so even though there was tons of grinding the main character, Cloud, the horrible bad guy, Sephiroth, and the love interest, whose name I'm forgetting, were very, very, very memorable and three-dimensional characters at the time. I think that is part of it. The same way Lara Croft in Tomb Raider was like a superhero in video games we had never seen before. So we don't know when Final Fantasy VII is coming out. Who fucking cares? Honestly, play the, play the version of the PS4. It's, it's blocky as shit, but it's still super fun as a JRPG. I mean... And, and that, that's one of the things. Is like, I respect remakes. I really do. Because my favorite game of all time has been remade. Um, but like, the thing about remakes is that... Pokemon? They will never... Yeah. They will never... They'll, they'll, they'll never be what you wanted them to be. Like, maybe they'll be reimagined as something epic visually, but that's about it. Like, well, that's another thing the PlayStation is, Sony's been doing brilliantly is when they upgrade Uncharted games and a lot of their other, you know, Crash and so forth mm-hmm. to 1080, 60 FPS. Like, not only is it great to play them again uh, on the new system with nostalgia, but they run better than, not not only they used to run, but they run better than a lot of current console games run at 1080, 60 FPS, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I'm actually in support of the remakes as long as they're not overpriced and as long as they're well done. Mm-hmm. And I'm super in favor of remakes, but it's also like really hypocritical that it's like the whole point of why it was so good is the fact that it was what it was. Why are you... If you're, if you're changing... If there's nothing wrong with the sauce, why are you changing the sauce? Hmm. So, um, hmm. I'm all for it. It's just like... It's, mm-hmm. a little, it's, it's ironically hypocritical. You got anything else for me from Squeenix? Octopath. 
Oh, oh yeah, Octopath Traveler, which was, I was trying to remember during our last podcast. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. Um, they released a new update. They released a developer update for it uh, this month. Uh, what is it? Could you describe it briefly? So yeah, so it takes uh, it's a it's a it's a new Squeedix RPG, brand new IP. Um, it is a it is a third person uh, face forward 3D sprite work. It's very hard to describe that angle. You kind of have to just look at it and you'll understand. But it's a it's like a 3D sprite work. Well, is it different than Witcher Horizon? No, so uh, well. Uh, okay. Say, well, anyways, I'd, I'd it's say, a third-person weird I, perspective I, JRPG. How is this different than Xenoblade or Dragon Quest Eleven? Is so, what I so want to know. The, the, here's the way I'd imagine. I would imagine it as more like a Dungeons and Dragons style adventure game. Um. How? I mean, in what way? In the in, in just the way the world seems and looks. Like it doesn't. Mm-hmm. It's not like a Witcher style game at all. Um, well, but I would argue not, Final Fantasy and Dragon Quest are D and D ish. The difference, the, the difference there is that so so it'll probably help to explain a little bit more. So the, the the main point of the game is that there are eight heroes to choose from, and that you pick any one of these eight heroes, and they are a specific character. They are a merchant, or they are a warrior, or they are a thief, or they are a hunter. Within those classes, you have their class ability, their their world ability. That world ability lets them specifically interact with the world and the people in it in a very specific fashion. Oh, you know what this looks like? Bravely default. Yes, that's what I'm looking for. Oh, nailed it. Yes. I knew it reminded me of something. Fuck. Mm -hmm. It's definitely Bravely Default-ish. Awesome. Um, That's a dope game. And, and the fact that they have strategic turn-based combat is a big turn-on to me. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's it's very it's very Final Fantasy esque in its combat. I will say that. By um, the way, the most underrated RPG for the Nintendo DS that's now been remastered for the 3DS, and everybody should get. And there's a free demo that takes you th- through like the first ten percent of the fucking full game, and you can save your progress. Is Radiant Historia. I mm-hmm. highly recommend, especially if you like Chrono Trigger with the time travel dynamic. This is a little less crazy than Chrono Trigger because you're mostly operating on two or three timelines. It is so it's so great, and it has not only strategic turn-based combat, but it, it's dependent on the positioning of the enemies, and you can line up combo attacks where you're like pushing them towards the center, and then you strike them all at once, or you push them back, and then you pull them forward. It's super fun. And not only that, but they have like a legitimate adventure mode where you can avoid combat for the most part if you want. And it's still 20 to 30 hours of great story, great characters. You know, sometimes I get annoyed at like anime or pseudo anime RPGs, but this is just the right amount. And even though it has some voice acting, which it does not need at all, you could definitely play this on the old DS and still be good. The graphic updates look amazing, and it, it's a really, really beautiful story. Highly recommend, guys. Radiant Historia, free demo on the Nintendo Store for 3DS. I've probably played through 5, 6, 7% of the game on the demo and uh, again, and I'm still playing it. So sorry, Eth, I just wanted to plug yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because um, I love that shit. So all you these eight heroes... And they all have their own world ability. 
and they're using this world ability to interact with everything in the world. This looks amazing. Um, I'm on the Nintendo store right now. This looks awesome. Um, and so, and then from there, you can do two things. Oh, this is straight up 16-bit SNES stuff. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yes. What I find, so w- one of the things that starts to, sit, to, to start to lure me to this one, uh, to this game, uh, is it's a, so it has two, um, similar, it has like two, it has, it has a karma, it has a karma factor, um, like Fallout does. So your actions matter. So, uh, let's say you're playing as the thief character. Mm. Well, you're going down the rogue path options, which, uh, will affect your renown with the town and will affect the world as a whole, um, versus the good deed side where if you're doing good deeds you get more renown and other things will be affected by that and that will that will change different runs of the game um and whoever your starting character is it doesn't matter because by the end your whoever your starting character is will be able to tie into the other seven storylines of these eight characters and you'll meet all other seven of them or you don't have to again changing the story changing runs of the game um to be able to end with um, having all of them and using all of their world abilities to play the world as you choose. Um, so it, it it's super interesting to me because as someone who likes Binding of Isaac, where you are constantly finding new strategies and new ways to play that game because of how it's procedurally generated and you explore the dungeon and you find new builds because there's never the same two items on the first floor so you never have the same build path from that point on um it's super cool to me that they're making this rpg where i can boot up this game make a new run of it and have a try to play the game a different way because i can do so many different things i can be i can play a rogue where you're inherently encouraged to do bad actions like thieving but try to play it try to be a holy thief where i never thief like i never steal anything or something like that um i dig it i totally dig it here's the thing that game and zelda and xenoblade are like almost enough for me to want to get a switch at this point just all these these beautiful new JRPG, but not totally JRPG things. I just, it, it's awesome. Mm-hmm. So I'm super excited for that. I got the yeah. collector's edition pre-ordered, so I'm getting that. Mm-hmm. Um, have you heard of a game called I Am Setsuna? I have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then the, it's, it's, uh, it's new uh, cousin that, that was just released uh, a couple months back. Uh, I forgot what that one's called. But it's uh that one. Yeah, it got the yeah. same reviews. It got the same reviews. Oh uh, yeah. Just um, it's it, that that game yeah. and that the new one that just came out that, that I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. They are very interesting because everyone either hates them or loves them. There's no in between. You're on one side or you're on the uh, other. Wait, when did it come out? When did it come out? Uh, this year. Or last year, at the end of last year. <sighs> I'm trying to find it. Yeah, yeah, it's funny. I've heard I heard it because both Dodger and Jesse Cox played a lot of I Am Satsuna, but it was like too long even for them, and they couldn't get through it. But they did love it. Um, Star, it's by the people who did Star Ocean in those games. But I don't know what mm-hmm. the actual game is. Um, 
So, yeah, I, I love that stuff. I'm glad it's still selling well, you know? I mean, <clears throat> in the West to a certain degree. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll have to track Octopath Traveler. All right, man, let's get to the... I, I, I want to get to Sony and Nintendo, but really quickly, Activision. We've got two main topics here we must talk about. One is Destiny 2, and one is Black Ops 4, which supposedly doesn't have a single-player campaign, which I am fine with because they've been going confirm, downhill. Confirm doesn't. Confirm doesn't. Yeah. So you can tackle in either order. So I'll do Destiny last because I can do it really briefly and effectively. Um, Black Ops 4 has, um, surprise, surprise, uh, Battle Royale because it's going to follow social trends. This is actually interesting for a Call of Duty. So this Call of Duty is going to follow social trends ridiculously far. So far that they are literally taking their traditional multiplayer and turning it into a 5v5 class-based team shooter. Hmm. <laughs> like a Overwatch. Like Siege. So they have decided to double, not just make a BR and follow social trends. They've decided to double down and ditch the arena shooter. What do we think about that? If it works, mm-hmm. Call of Duty's back. I mean, well, not back because it's not Call of Duty money. anymore. It's not Call of Duty anymore. But um, I think uh, I think it's interesting. I, I, I think it's interesting because either it flops and it's oh well, there's the next Call of Duty coming wrong, or it's a success and they're people who still want to play arena shooters are going to be mad because there's no more arena shooters. But here's the thing. The arena shooter is slowly dying. That's the thing. It's being kicked slowly, but it's, it is, it is, it is slowly losing all of its blood. Um, it's just, that's just a true statement. PUBG and Fortnite are perfect examples of how they are killing the arena shooter. Um, Uh, Call of Duty World War II is an example of how the arena shooter, mostly because A, they didn't service it that well, but B, like, people got a traditional World War II Call of Duty. And it's, it, it's, it's not all the buzz. It's not all the buzz. I don't know, man. I it, feel like what's, if I'm going to... Like, like, what, what do people want? Like, well, no, I'm going to tell you what I want. want. They don't want I mean, the arena shooter. I'm going to tell you what I want. It has to do with Activision. It has to do with Destiny, which is if I'm going to invest my money and time on online shooter play, Destiny 2 seems like easily the best option to me. Call of Duty PvP stuff does not appeal to me whatsoever. I'd much rather play a game like Destiny. I hope they can get more people on board and then destiny three is a huge success not just because you love it and it makes me happy but like i i want to be a part of something like that whereas call of duty multiplayer honestly never has interested me going back to the modern warfare days if september well and so quickly wrapping up here with destiny yeah um if they can pull off what they are saying everything they are saying plus a little bit more mm-hmm. in september which is what they're saying is that what's going to happen. If they can do it. Mm -hmm. No, September for, okay. uh, For September for destiny. Um, October's quality. They would never release. Activision would never release two of the same thing in the same month. They would never do that. It's terrible for their sales. Um, How else are they going to get 
two different paychecks for two different games in the same month. You know what I'm saying? They don't. Um, anyway, um, if they can do it, because according to an Activision CEO, and let's be clear about this, an Activision CEO also said that Destiny 2 was going to kill WoW. Um, Activision CEO said that there's going to be a brand new, never before seen game mode added to Destiny. Never before seen. Those are the exact words that he said. Never before seen in Destiny or in the history of the never planet? Never before seen um, ever. It sounds game. like the it's No Man's Sky guy, it guy sounds, talking. It sounds like a battle royale is what he's saying. <laughs> it sounds like he's going to make a battle royale. Destiny. Which is not the thing that would attract me to it. I no, want co-op it play. I want mish co-op missions. I want story. That's what I want. It is not. It is not. So, I know. So, I know, but I'm saying if they could, if they could channel like 20 percent of like the early days of WoW in terms of content in Destiny, like I would be well, on board. And, and so, so and so that's the that that's what that's what's happened is this re- latest release has proven mm-hmm. that outsourcing because this mm-hmm. DLC was made by Vicarious Visions, the same team that ported Destiny to to the PC. Mm-hmm. It's proven, and all those guys played Destiny One, like the crap mm-hmm. ton of Destiny One. Mm-hmm. So, all right. So, so what? It's proven that Bungie should outsource more DLC to other creators so that they can push more content yeah. faster, and it will sell better, and there will be more to do. Okay. Um, and that's what's important for that game is that it gets more people on board to make more stuff because going back to Unreal Engine and Fortnite is that the engine that that game has is a, a 2010 engine. It is 2018. Remind me what, uh, remind me what, uh, what's that thing called? Turing, Turing law or is the it, Turing uh, test? Turing test. Yeah. Every two years, technology's done. Oh, no, no, no. You're talking oh, about, no, you, no, you're talking about Moore's law. Moore's law. Moore's law. Yeah. No, the Turing test is what the movie it's, Ex it's Machina the, was the, about. It's the, it's the, yeah. that, that's the, that's the. No, but this is good education test. for the listeners as, as a quick bridge, and then we're going to get into Nintendo and Sony, who's the main show here. The quick bridge is the Turing test is can you not only interact with an AI and think that it's human, but never even consider the fact that it's an AI while you're talking to it? That's that's the test of the Turing test. That's what the movie X Machina is about. That's what Blade Runner is about, and so forth. By the way, did you ever see the Blade Runner twenty forty nine? Never saw original Blade Runner. Both, dude. Oh. All right, we'll we'll get you on board. Um, Not a movie guy. I know, but it's like super trippy AI, you know, futurist stuff. Um, I can't do dystopia anymore. It's not just, it's not straight dystopia though. It's it's more like uh, well whatever we'll talk about it later. Okay, sure. all right. So here's what's gonna happen. We're gonna talk about Sony and we're gonna talk about Nintendo. You're gonna talk mostly about Nintendo because you know what you're talking about. You'll probably still end up talking more than fifty percent about Sony because you know more than me. But I'm at least gonna try and start on Sony. Okay. All right, man. So we know f- there are four major titles that will be talked about during the Sony press conference. There may be more, there may not, there may be hardware things, but we definitely know these four, okay? Mm-hmm. And I'm going to go from the most known about to the least, or should I go the other way? What do you think? Uh, up to you. Okay. The most known about, just because it's coming out so soon, is Spider-Man. 
And if any of you guys played Spider-Man 2 game on the old PS2 system, or maybe it was PlayStation, I don't know, 2003, I can't remember if it was PlayStation, it must have been PS2. It was basically an open world New York game that was almost like Uncharted with the grappling hook, but you're swinging around like Spider-Man. It didn't have the most original content, but it was thrilling jumping around. And dude, I know tons of Xbox or Nintendo users who are literally buying PlayStations because of how much they like Spider-Man. So I don't really care that much about this game. So I'm just going to make one statement and you'll give me a a yes, no, or maybe. Okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. If Spider-Man is an 8.0 or an 8.5 and above, even if it's not an amazing or a perfect game, it still seems like it's probably going to sell over 10 million copies copies true false or other other okay i think it's gonna sell a lot and i think if it's good or bad that'll determine the rest of the sales okay i don't think any game sells 10 million copies but let's let's put it this way if it's like the best parts of Watch Dogs 2, Grand Theft Auto 5, like pretty good, you know, whatever, like, you know, Assassin's Creed, you know, the better Assassin's Creed, it's not a revolutionary open world game, but just it's Spider-Man, it looks good, it runs good, and it has some fun missions. Do you think that's enough to make it like, you know, like, you know, like a, a bestseller, essentially? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. The next is The Last of Us Part Two. Now, I don't know what the current release date is at this point. I had heard it was early mid next year. I don't know if you've heard anything about The Last of Us Part Two. I haven't been following it. Yeah. So. But my feeling is, compared to what I just said about Spider Man, if the story is 75% as good as the first one, but the gameplay is as smooth as the remastered version of the first one, this game is going to sell extremely well and get like a 95% on Metacritic, I think. I'm not saying it deserves it, but knowing how much people love the story of the first one and the only complaint was the janky combat mechanics and they really fixed it with the remastered version, I feel like this one is by far the, the home run for Sony next year. Mm-hmm. This is the God of War of this year, the Horizon of last year, and so forth, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I can I can see that. Um, okay. I think it all really comes down to how good this is. All right, well, we we've seen how God of War went. All right, we've seen how good Monster Hunter was. I think Monster Hunter is kind of out of the race, though. Um, I think we have to see how Last of Us turns out. We have to see how Red Dead turns out. Yes. And that's really good. what's going to like show off. I think Spider-Man is great. I don't think it's going to take the story kick. I don't think it's going to take Game of the Year kick. It could. I don't think it will. I just hope after some bad EA Star Wars games and mostly bad Marvel games across the board across the years, I think this is the Battlefront 2 thing, man. I mean... People knew Battlefront 2 was bullshit going into it, a lot of them, and they still bought it because they're so desperate for a Star Wars game. I'm thinking that's going to happen with Spider-Man. If it's half-decent and there aren't loot crates, I think people will be into it. That's my you, only you, point. You, you, you mean how you were talking all the shit about how people were going to play more Battlefront 2 than Call of Duty? I still think they are. They're no? not. They're not. No. They're not. I, I mean, they're my, not. you know, really I'm, not. Look, 
I'm in my I'm in my weird community of of nerds born in the 80s, so I'm I'm not totally keen. But let me ask you this, man, before we jump into the two properties for PS that I'm less familiar with. You've never really played the Uncharted games or any of the Naughty Dog games. Is there a specific reason? Does the genre not interest you? Is there anything Last of Us Part Two could do to get you interested, or you're just not into it? I have a list of PlayStation exclusives that I have not bought to play yet. Okay, but it's it's not a coincidence you've never played an Uncharted game through all the way through. Never owned an Xbox, that's why. Or I never owned a PlayStation, PlayStation. up till up till this age, this age of my life. You have one now. I have one now. Yes. But Let me I, tell you, wait for a sale and get Last Legacy for 10 bucks. Don't get Uncharted 4. Last Legacy is dope. Um, you, and yeah. I, you and I play stories differently. Mm-hmm. Yep. So. Um, well, but the difference is, I mean, we've talked about Horizon. The difference is, I genuinely think you would fall in love with the Horizon combat mechanics, whereas there's no way in hell you would ever play Last of Us or Uncharted for the combat mechanics. That's the main difference. Yeah. Speaking of combat mechanics, Death Stranding, (laughs) we won't go into the fact that Hideo Kojima is one of the most beloved, if weird, designers ever. The Metal Gear Solid games are legendary, even though I don't like them. I get why people like them. And the fact that fucking Konami cracked down got rid of him before the end of metal gear solid five he wasn't even allowed to come take the award the conference and he did a legendary fucking horror game that never got made with fucking guillermo del toro who's now won an academy award and what's his name from the walking dead and yeah and still they got rid of him and now playstation stalling him away for a game called death stranding that i have no idea about but if it's as weird and slow as metal gear solid i think it's going to be a i respect this but never play have you seen, it have you seen the trailers i saw the old trailers there's not new ones though are there do you see the one last year yeah yeah that that like from what we know it's just like we, we're, we're getting like more and more every year and it's just so weird because it's like we know so little, and it's we, we want to know more. Like it's so it's it's, it's one of the, he's like he's doing a really good job marketing this because like it's like he's giving us a little at a time just to tease us, just get us interested. Well, let me give you a couple counterpoints on this, okay? The, the, the other one, by the way, guys, is Ghost of Tsushima, which me and Ethan don't know shit about, so we'll have to save that I for later. I know it's made by the people who make Infamous, which is a very fun game. It's but, very fun. Yeah. It's basically an open-world 13th-century samurai game, which sounds on the surface great, but we'll have to see. So this will be our final topic for Sony, and then we'll end on Nintendo, buddy. But I want to talk about Ko- Kojima for a second. Um, who, by the way... Uh, I meant to say earlier, we talked about Booth Babes. So, guys, if you don't know what Booth Babes were, the the earlier years of nerd conventions, they would just hire hot girls to run booths to get all the awkward nerds to come by and see them. And they get paid like $100 an hour. I'm not being a sexist. This is true. If you don't believe me, go watch some of the Hey Ash Whatcha Plans at E3 with the Booth Babes, where Ashley Birch goes up to the Booth Babes and is fucking with them. It's hilarious. Um... Uh, it was an actual thing. Um, but Kojima, you know, I mean, famously, uh, they they did, um, like, 
pl- like uh what's the word i'm looking for they did like plays of metal gear solid on hey ass what you play at, and it got the attention of kojiba and he really liked it um and you know got in touch with them he was a big fan of horizon uh yeah he loves ashley birch and now he's in the playstation family which is amazing and what i was going to say man the connection here is both the horizon and the god of war trailer was they kept playing trailers year after year and it seemed like neither of them could live up to the hype and i think it's fair to say that both of those games lived up and beyond to the hype of those trailers and so i'm thinking there's above a 50% chance, even though I know almost nothing other than the trailer about Death Stranding, that this could live up to the hype. Thoughts? If you asked me to, to, to buy a game this year, just blind, I would probably buy Death Stranding. Really? But you're, mm-hmm. not, a, you're not an MGS guy. Nope. It's, okay, so it, give, us, give us the reasons. He's, legendary, he's a legendary producer. Mm-hmm. That's number one. Number two is he's very smart about his marketing. I know so little, but I'm so intrigued by what I've seen that I would buy it just to find out. It's 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 like a movie trailer. It's like he showed us the movie trailer. And he wants to buy. He wants us to buy his movie, and I want to see his movie. Yep, but it's got to be gameplay. Has to be because oh, yeah, absolutely. But but like but like that. That's one of the things that gets me the most. It's like yeah, people complain so much. It's like this is what I want. This is not what I expected. Well, if you go into a movie. And you didn't get what you expected. Mm-hmm. Well, too fucking bad. Like, well, I think, and again, Sony excels at this because you know the two big announcements, other than teasing Last of Us two, at the 2016 E3 were God of War and Horizon. Right? They showed God of War. It was it was just a, a story trailer, basically. People got super pumped. They had an orchestra and like a fucking everything. But then they showed the Horizon trailer, and people were like, okay, we know, they're robot dinosaurs. And then they showed, like, 15 minutes of live gameplay, and people lost their mind. So, if they lead with another cinematic trailer from from Death Stranding, and then go into a mission for 10 or 15 minutes, people will lose their fucking minds. Yep. 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 Assuming it's good gameplay. Mm-hmm. But there's nothing here to seem like Sony is getting knocked off their perch, is what I'm saying with these games. Right. I yeah. think Sony learned their lesson after No Man's Sky 2. Yes. That it's like... Okay, we can go into it here. Let's go into it here before we get to, we end on Nintendo. Go into No Man's Sky. Tell me what you're, you're going to talk about. They learned their lesson and then where No Man's Sky is now. Right. So, like, no, like they learned their lesson that if, A, if they rush a game, this is what happens, is that no Man's, you end up with No Man's Sky. Now, I think that they probably signed a corporate contract, the uh, Hello Games developers, and Sony, they signed a contract, and I think that Sony thought it was fair, and that Hello Games was like, oh yeah, we could totally get this done in however many years for however much money. They couldn't get it done, and they were like, well, we can release the game, and we can update it eventually to what we wanted it to be, or we can... Or we can break the contract and lose all our money hmm. and they opted to go with the, the i just want to point out i yeah. want to point out no man's sky was not published by sony unlike santa monica gorilla and naughty dog mm-hmm. so it was an exclusive and sony backed it more than it should have but it wasn't one of their products right yeah um i believe the kojima game is one of their products i could be wrong no, it's Kojima Obstructions. But it's published by Sony Interactive, whereas No Man's Sky was published by Hello Games. Okay. Yeah. Okay. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so what's so, happening? Give us a No Man's Sky update, and then we'll end with Nintendo. Yeah, we'll call so No Man's Sky Next is coming out. It's a free update. Mm-hmm. It's going to add true multiplayer to the game mm-hmm. um, with lots of multiplayer objectives to com- to, to engage it. Mm-hmm. Um, that, along with the fact that it'll be releasing on Xbox, which is nice, I guess. <laughs> Xbox players didn't have a chance to have it. So, congratulations, you, Xbox players. Are you just fascinated just as a follower of the industry at this point with No Man's Sky? Because it doesn't seem like a game you would normally play or care about. I bought it uh, a while back and I played it for oh, like okay. two hours on the before I could, so I could redeem it. I could still refund it for, to Steam. Um, I was having technical issues with it, so it was not optimized yeah. for my system. For my mm-hmm. for my platform for my PC, so that was upsetting. Um, but on top of that, it was just uh, it, 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 I, I I felt like it needed board, and uh, it did need board. And I hope that with mm-hmm. friends, it's much more entertaining than alone. Yeah. Um, but it's getting true multiplayer with actual multiplayer objectives to engage in. Mm-hmm. Um, and I hope that it adds more than just that. Uh, because it still needs more. It still needs more work. But mm-hmm. just that alone is m- miles ahead of importance of what it needs. Um, if they add that and they add the luscious, beautiful world that they showed off at E3 way back when in 2014 on a lot of planets, because all the planets are pretty barren, by the way. Which is how real space works. I'm totally cool with like the continuity of that. On the yeah, spot. but Mass Effect One was like that, and people got sick of it, which is why they changed it for Mass. But Effect. it's a video game. But it's a video game. So yeah. let's let's make it a video game because let's make it pretty. All right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'm I'm super excited to see okay. what they deliver, and I'm super excited to say that if if it's awesome, it's awesome. Like there's no reason why I'm not going to play this game if it's awesome. Because this is this is the this is one of those games that fills that niche category where we've needed something there, but no one has ever done it before. And mm. these guys could be the ones to finally hit it. And that would be awesome. I'd find I I would love for like this it's if this ends up being what it is, like if it ends up being awesome, it'll be cool to like say I lived in a point where like. Or this, like, oh yeah, I have a cool story. Remember that time that these people released this really, this really awesome game, and it ended up being really bad, and then they fixed it. Like, it'll just end up being a story, which is be not, which is nice. Yeah, um, I just want to point out super quick. I'm gonna give my final thought on Sony. We'll end on Nintendo. Um, I just want to point out real quick uh, that the Sony PlayStation Four. Uh, has sold over 80 million units as of the end of March. You want to know how many units Xbox One has sold? 20% of that. We don't know because they won't share it with us because they're too embarrassed. (laughs) No, seriously. Seriously. Like, they will not tell people. It's probably 20 to 30 million at most. Did they tell their investors? Because they legally have to set, they legally have to. Like, I uh, mean, their operating system is on literally a billion computers. So I don't think they care. True. Um. So, 
Um, so all I'm going to say, man, is the, you know what I hope we don't hear? I mean, you know, but just I'm asking this rhetorically. You know what I don't want to hear this year from Sony? Uh, is it PS5 announcement? I think we'll get JPEG. At earliest next year. If they announce it next year for mid-2020, I'd be okay with that. But considering a bunch of people have bought PS Pros fairly recently, and considering even though technically the PS4 came out in late 2013, there wasn't a lot of good games until 2015. So that's like two and a half years ago. So I think it's a little early. And I think we'll get a JPEG. Well, and the thing is, if I look at God of War and Horizon, even on a non-PS Pro, even on a non-4K, it looks gorgeous. And you w- see those games on 4K screens, it's even more gorgeous. So I don't think they need a new piece of hardware in the next couple of years. And I think it would just it would just piss people off. No, uh, by the way, uh, Variety, who was making this article, uh, is reporting Microsoft sold 30 million Xbox Ones by the end of 2017 compared to 73 million PlayStations, although they're up to 80 million now. Yeah. So, yeah, so I, I don't think they need to do any hardware. I don't think they are. So we will end there, and you'll bring us into the final section here with Nintendo. What are we seeing? What are you hoping to see? What are you excited about? Go ahead. Right. So we are going to get more Samus which is great because there has not been a great Samus game in a long time. Um, Octopath, but we already talked about that because um, it's a Switch only release. Um, Nintendo trademarked uh, it, the community's in buzz right now because Pokemon, because Nintendo trademarked two games. Uh, they trademarked Let's Go Pikachu and Let's Go Eevee. That's, two, that, that's what they trademarked. Now, uh, as someone who knows this about Game Freak specifically and mm-hmm. Nintendo in general, is that they trademark a lot of things. <laughs> they almost never execute on them. Um, but what's interesting about this is, is that Game Freak, the developers of Pokemon, they started to tweet out um, photos of original sprite work of Pokemon from generation one, the original generation and like scrapped Pokemon that they never added into the game. Hmm. So a lot of people are like, okay, they're going to make, they're going to make like a new generation, original Pokemon game that has some of the old, like those scrapped Pokemon in it as like released Pokemon that are new. And it's going to be a switch. It's going to be the switch game. It's going to involve those two titles. Um, I don't know. I, I, I'm, this is like, this is like Nintendo's biggest secret. Like they literally refuse to say anything on this. Like until we, like, like we don't have mm. a trailer. The yeah. only thing that we know about the Pokemon switch game is that it is being made. <laughs> like that is the only thing Nintendo has told us about it. <laughs> What's and so interesting about Nintendo? Infuriating to me. Well, like I if, you look know. At, if you look at the Mario role-playing game or games, mm-hmm. they do great. They sell. People love them. They get great critical reviews. But you'd think they'd make them more often. They, I, I appreciate the restraint from Nintendo. But as I said last time, I sometimes think they're wasting opportunities to make money. But that's their decision. What else is new? 
Yeah. <laughs> Nintendo choosing not to exercise their ability. All right, so run down some of the other Nintendo something. things you're excited about. Re-releases, remasters, new games. Um, uh, Smash will be there, mm-hmm. but that's, that's, that's just a community niche buzz. Um, yeah. Smash is, I think, the biggest, probably. Yeah, I mean, like, Smash can be huge. Um, mm-hmm. Metroid Prime 4. Oh, that's what I wanted to talk about. The Nintendo Online Service. That I, I, I oh, right, which everyone's back. bitching about, but it's apparently $20 a year, which is nothing. I don't know why anybody's bitching about it. It looks awesome. Because people want things for free, and they think they deserve free th- It's like the mods thing. They deserve like unlimited free mods. You're getting... So, so, so... First of all, it's four dollars a month if you're paying month by month basis. I'm with you on this, man. That's but go ahead. Six dollars cheaper yeah. than every other service. I'm with you. Second, um, you can. Me and my friends, we're going to make a family group. You can make a family group of switches that includes up to seven switches for thirty five dollars a year. All seven of those switches gets internet access. Yep. And it's normally twenty bucks per person. Mm-hmm. You are literally saving a billion dollars by doing that. So for like groups of people, just do that. Um, the fact that it's so cheap in comparison to other services is great, and it speaks. It, it's yeah. awesome to me because even though I know it'll never happen, but it, there is a chance that if the switch is very still continues to be very successful, that its competitors will look at it and say. Okay, if Switch is doing this, we got to bring our prices down too. Look, but I, I know that'll never happen. If the bullshitness that is quote unquote free to play from loot boxes to mobile games has taught us anything, <clears throat> it's that people should want to pay a small amount of money up front and know what they are getting and not get cheated. I'm supposed to play something that's supposedly free and it to be subpar and then try and steal money from them later, right? Yes. So I would happily play for a dollars a month, and I I did pay for PlayStation Plus, and I may pay for it again at some point. It's way overpriced, but like you know, at least I know what I'm getting, and I've gotten over like a hundred dollars of free games if just with a three month subscription. Right. right? It's like right. And so and so with the Nintendo subscription, you're going to get fourteen NES games for free. Plus, plus it's easier to to control cheaters and trolls it's easier to you know moderate what's going on mm-hmm. it eliminates people from clogging up the network that aren't doing anything productive right i mean it's like paying for high-speed internet yeah yeah well, i'm with you could have done i'm that with the you beginning. they can yeah. do that from the beginning but that's yeah. that's the point um yeah. well i think if if nintendo didn't have like a stocking problems and didn't overcharge on, or like do stupid things like amiibos. People would maybe be a little bit more forgiving. Maybe not, but like people love four dollars a month is nothing for what it offers. People love amiibos. I know they love them, but they're stupid. Don't I need to buy toys. I need to buy toys to supplement. No, I buy Star Wars toys because I want to fucking have my Black Series Jinerso doll when you walk in the front door, not because she like activates some code in a video game I have. Come on. Yeah. Stupid. But but but, but alternate timeline blink costumes. In by the way, wild. Can, can we end on hardware and then we'll wrap here? Mm-hmm. Um, it's interesting how there was all that complaint about the Bluetooth connection of the Joy-Cons in the early days, and now it seems like it never happened. Because that was just a reset issue, right? I thought, I, I thought the problem was it was just like 
some units were shipping unsynced with the unit, uh, like so you just have to resync your Joy Cons. Well, that's what I was saying. Yeah, it was and just the, a it was just a hard thing, reset. Yeah, the Bluetooth thing was that the people were complaining that there's no Bluetooth for wireless headphones. Mm-hmm. I think that was the issue. So, all right, man. Well, we'll have to wait till after um, uh, E3. To cover this stuff, I will really mm-hmm. quickly ask you though. And again, I'm not trying to be a dick. You know, I respect Nintendo, even though it's not my favorite properties. I far root for Nintendo over Microsoft and com- companies like Microsoft and EA. Nintendo makes quality products. They have been for my entire life. Single player products, multiplayer products. Let's be honest. Nintendo's the only company still making local multiplayer like actually a thing. You know, which mm-hmm. is really underrated because I love it's playing. Mar- well, I loved playing fucking Mario Kart and GoldenEye growing up, man. Four mm-hmm. player, you know, like on the same fucking TV, you know, like, and that was all Nintendo. Um, by the way, by the way, I'll make a pact with you. If they yeah. ever bring GoldenEye to the virtual console, yes. I will not tell you so that you don't have to buy a Switch. <laughs> I'll find out and I will buy it because GoldenEye is amazing. Uh, that needs way too much upgrading, though. That's like a whole new game. But I gotta, I gotta send you a video about that. But and again, I'm not trying to be an asshole with this, and we'll, we'll do final thoughts. I don't understand Nintendo cardboard revolution, aka Labo. That's <laughs> actually pretty neat. I mean, I wouldn't buy it, but it's neat. Well, shouldn't they have called it cardboard revolution? I feel like that's more honest and cooler. You're welcome, I, Nintendo. I, I, I watched a video about somebody getting their Labo, and he was like, oh my goodness, Nintendo Labo. And he takes the Labo out of the box, he just plays with the Amazon cardboard shipping box. It's funny because it totally sums up video gamers in that they want to think they're doing something productive, and it's not actually productive. <laughs> I mean, it, You're not it, actually it takes, building something. You're doing an Ikea project. <laughs> it takes five hours to make that. The Ikea. robot kit. The robot Ikea. kit. Ikea. Which is cool, though, but it's cool because it's like, if you're making it, like, like listen, if you're a father and a son and you're making that, that's awesome. Sure. And, and oh, that, that, for little the, kids, it's amazing. I'm talking that, about, like, adults who are obsessing that's over the tar- this That's the target audience. I, I, yeah, I know. You, 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 you're trying to explain to me Nintendo fanboys? You can't explain Nintendo and fanboys fan that are Nintendo fan gamers? I mean, I, I can't. You, I, you're the one. Exactly. You're the one who has to explain it. I, I, I can't. I can't. Yeah, I'm here to tell you, and I'm here to tell the world, that there is no way to explain why okay. a grown adult should like child games, right. but they do. Right. So let's let's end on a personal note here. All right? Mm-hmm. Bizzlecast listeners are going to let you in on the life of me and Ethan here a little bit. Nothing too personal, okay? A... You're helping me get a gaming rig by the end of the summer, which means I can actually be a gamer, which I'm excited about. I'm going to play some Destiny 2. I might play some Skyrim, although you're turning me off now. Um, <laughs> I, I thought I was finally getting psyched up for it. Now I don't care. Um, what do you mean? I didn't yeah. say anything. Yeah. You were like, well, the mods aren't even that good. So I was like, okay. No, no, no. I don't like mods. I just don't like I, I don't like games with mods. Anyways. 
So you guys out there know I've been doing a lot of, you know, with my PS uh, camera, which does great, you know, but you're limited with, with PlayStation games, obviously. So I'm excited about that. I am definitely excited about Persona 5. I hope that that's still on the table. I can borrow Persona 5 from you. Yeah. Um, I will say I've watched some pl- gameplay of Bloodborne. I don't think I would make it past level two in that game. I think that game would destroy me. I think you should experience it. Go for it. Anyway, I mean, is there an easy stop, enough level stop. where I, I could I could ramp up, or would the I just first, be getting the, the, the first the first boss has an item where you can crutch yeah. on it, and it'll keep them paralyzed. I will it. say the one. Okay, here's the here's the positive negative. Negative is I prefer the Dark Souls motif as opposed to the horror motif, but. The fact that Bloodborne is a more offensive as opposed to defensive game definitely plays to my strengths. I would say borrow it, play it, yeah, give it a shot. Yeah. And if it's too, if it's then you'd be too busy putting two hundred hours in Persona Five, so maybe not. Unless you give up that one, too. No, that, no, that's not going to happen. You said that about Witcher too, though. Yeah, but that's because the Witcher's combat system is like really annoying and janky, and okay. and story is okay. hard to understand. Persona okay. Five, I will have zero. I mean, that's the thing of playing all these DS and 3DS Nintendo games over the years. I get that stuff. Okay. Um. So, uh, yeah, and I actually played a Vita today with a buddy of mine who had Persona oh, really? Four Golden. I, I got to say, man, that thing feels great in the hands. I don't know yeah. what it is. I would love to be able to buy a Vita for seventy five dollars, yeah, but they don't too. exist. They they exist for double that. Yeah, 125 or so. So, okay, man. Well, we'll probably end up doing some sort of podcast before E3, but like, uh, give me a super bold prediction, even if it's total bullshit. Give me a super bold prediction for E3. Bethesda wins. With what, primarily? Whatever they're putting out. Hmm. Anything they put out. I'm going to call it now. Bethesda wins E3. Can I give you mine? Go for it. Last of Us 2 is actually coming out later this year, not 2019. I don't see that one happening. If you look at the games, Spider-Man's coming out early fall. If they put Last of Us out around Christmas time, I know March is like the new hotness, and that's probably where it's coming. that's when Red Dead's coming out. I know, but I don't think Sony and Naughty Dog are scared of Red Dead. If we're talking about December 15th, maybe but that's like the absolute latest you get. Mm-hmm. Like anything past the first two weeks of December is mm-hmm. like, like a bad idea, bad idea, but who knows? Okay. All who right, knows? man. Well, um, to just end on a non video game, Bizzlecast topic, uh, when are you seeing Deadpool? When can we talk about it? Uh, eventually, I'm seeing it Sunday, but we can talk about it anytime. Uh, I don't know. I actually have a schedule mm-hmm. when I'm going to go see it. And uh, are you planning on seeing the Han Solo movie? No. No. Unless, unless there's a convenient time for me to go see it. So, just give me the perspective. Because you're smart. You're a smart guy. And you... Uh, you're an intuitive guy. You're an intuitive guy. I'll give also debatable. <clears throat> Um. Oh no! You've got good instincts. If nothing else, you get good also instincts. Also debatable. Um, I'm not saying you always act on your good instincts, but you have them. 
Um, so let me ask you, considering everyone seems lukewarm or worse about Han Solo, why is it already tracking twice Black Panther and $200 million opening weekend? Because Star Wars Cinematic Universe will always beat Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's just Marvel Cinematic Universe releases more movies. Can I give you one possible reason why Han Solo could be cool? Because Charles it's a, Champino? Because, yes. <laughs> Two reasons why it could be cool. Um, that and because it's a Star Wars story that takes place before the original trilogy, like Rogue One, which you and I love. That's that's my main thing. I'm I'm hoping for quad racing. I'm not talking about those prequels. <laughs> I'm talking about Rogue One, which you know is awesome. I'm just messing with you. I don't like. The, hey, look, I have to, uh, dude. It's a delicate balancing because I have people on my podcast who hate the prequels, and I have the people who love the prequels, and so I'm like trying not to like the lie lore, or the, be the, disingenuous. But yeah, the lore, with the exception of midichlorians, it's in great. The prequels, is it's great, fantastic. Yeah, Obi Wan's great. I mean. There's some great stuff in episode three, you know? I mean, yeah. But it's it's uneven. It's yeah, uneven. Lizard, like in episode three when that lizard makes a blaster sound. Yeah, that, that's the greatest thing coming out of that movie. Well, here's the thing, and, I, and we'll definitely end on this, man. But I want to run this by you because you're from the generation below me who grew up on the prequels. So from Literally saw time, episode three in theaters. Yeah, I, well, I saw episode three in theaters. But I, look, from my generation, there's literally two types of people. There's a people who love the original trilogy, didn't like the prequels and are mostly very happy with the new movies. That's me. But there are also people my age who love the original movies, love the prequels and aren't thrilled about the new movies outside of Rogue One. And I'm I having know, trouble I, figuring I, out I, I am, why. I am personally no, knowledgeable of both groups of people. Yeah. I have two people in my life that I know of that mm-hmm. are both of those descriptions. Do you think it's a personality thing? Do you think it's like where you grew up and who you grew up with? I think it's what you want to look for in Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Because, uh, so, my dad is the one who is is the latter half of what you described. Uh, likes, like likes likes the originals. Group with the, the originals. Uh, uh, enjoys the new ones. Hates the prequels. That was the first example, but yeah, I know what you mean. Uh, you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Um, my godfather. Is he like us and liking Rogue One the best? I think so, yeah. yeah. I think so. I think he really liked Rogue One. Um, I just feel like I feel like you could watch episode 7 and episode 8 and be like, this is really fun, the characters are cool, lightsaber battles, blah, 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 blah. I feel like Rogue One, you walk out of that and your mind is blown or you don't. Like, it's like you either love it or you don't love it kind yeah. of thing. And my mind was blown when I saw Rogue One. Yeah. I, I thoroughly enjoyed Rogue One. Um, it ages great, too, if you haven't watched it recently. It's fucking great. I haven't watched it since I saw it in theaters. Um, well, I'll, t- I'll trade you the Blu-ray in exchange for Persona 5. You owe me a pop filter in exchange, actually. But <sighs> Okay. Um, you can have that, too. Okay, cool. Um, but why does your generation so clearly prefer well, Rogue One? Well, well, like, well, I haven't well, talked to anyone of your generation that doesn't prefer Rogue One. Star Wars fans or non-Star Wars fans. Australia, England, think, America, I, I, Rogue I, One is I, definitely I, the best. I, I, well, here's the big thing. Here's the big thing. I think, I think what you're missing here is that my friends and my generation, for the most part, if you're talking to us about this type of stuff, 
is pretty understanding and rela- relatable or relatable on the ideas of what was of your generation, but is also relatable of things out of current generation. Yeah. So right. we understand what it meant to that we, we to, to put it lightly, we we understand the old way, but we we are also doing things the new way. Yep. <laughs> so Yep. I think, you're you're hundred percent right. And this has been the coming up on my podcast, which is that you know all the the irrational it's okay if you don't like last jedi i don't care but there's a lot of irrational hatred coming out around that movie because of bad reasons you know what i'm talking about yes and people like to blame the prequel people but those aren't the people the people are people in their 40s older white from the middle of the country those are the people who are causing the problems regardless of whether you like the prequels or not that's that's not the thing and that relates to what you were saying which is regardless of your age if you grow up on the originals rogue one is going to speak to you immediately and incessantly right Mm -hmm. yeah and and it just flows in so well tying back into like what you were saying uh earlier my godfather is the guy who grew up on the originals doesn't like the prequels Mm -hmm. doesn't like the direction of the movies Mm. and the the, like because i remember having this conversation which is my dad made a facebook post about of all like the hidden like uh messaging through last jedi and my godfather just says Mm. what the fuck are you on about hmm Star Wars is a story about laser swords and yep. space battles. I don't need any of this hidden message shit. Yep. And that's why he didn't like Last Jedi. Well, you love Return of the Jedi like me, so you'll understand this reference. I think it's divided between the people who like Luke at the beginning of Return of the Jedi just murdering people in Jabba's palace versus the Luke who throws down his lightsaber at the end and says, I'm not going to fight you anymore. Vader, you're going to have to kill your own son kind of thing. Right. Mm -hmm. And if you understand that the Luke who doesn't fight is the much cooler Luke, that's what we're into. Like the end of last Jedi, for example, right? He wins by not fighting, but there's some people who, yeah, it's Luke. He's blonde hair, blue eye, white guy and with a laser sword. And if that's, I'm not making judgment on your Godfather, but I'm just saying in general, if that's what you see Star Wars as, then yeah, you're not going to get that, unfortunately. So, yeah. Well, I hope you do see Han Solo if it's decent. I'll, I'll give you my honest review. I'm going to do, for this movie, I'm definitely going to do like my personal review and then like try and be as objective as possible. Um, it sounds like it is at least fun and very Star Wars-y, if nothing else. Um, yeah. So we will I, see. I, I will watch it eventually. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, I'm going to drive to watch it. I'll so that. drop your Twitch uh, feed and also tell us if you're going to be in the near or medium future streaming anything other than Destiny 2, which is totally fine. If there's anything else we should be looking forward to on the channel. Go ahead. All right. All right. You should totally go follow twitch.tv forward slash the bizzle. Okay. That's definitely <laughs> my Twitch address. <laughs> Watch me die every three minutes in Tomb Raider. Yep. Um, in all yep. serious, um, I am twitch.tv forward slash EL underscore Fedorable. Uh, that is EL, yes, EL as in L Cancer, speaking of Deadpool. Um, uh, I am going to be streaming Destiny because. Hashtag fuck cancer. Lol. Lol XD. Dead game. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. 
So I started just referring to as L underscore Fedorable in the title of the podcast because that seemed to make the most sense. I saw that. Yep. Is that cool? Yeah, it's totally cool. And I say Ethan in the text, but like in the thing, like yeah. I mean, it's pretty dope. If it, it's listen, actually kind of cool. Listen, listen, I should have done that the, earlier. Yeah, the, the kids at work call me Mister Ethan. The kids call, calling the me kids. calling me Mister Bromabach is. You're like, too young to be calling anybody the kids, son. <laughs> when you work, and you know this fairly well when you work uh-huh for seven hours a day mm-hmm. for 19 8 to 10 year olds i get the call mm-hmm. on the kids fair enough well thank you ethan aka l underscore fedorable aka the master which i'm still gonna call you as well for your contributions and we'll have to uh well we're definitely i mean look we'll check in after e3 yeah. If you and I really like Deadpool, we'll do a Deadpool podcast in a week or two. Sound good? Sure. Awesome. Thank you, sir. Thank you, Bizzlecast listeners, Thank for all you. your support. And uh, we will be coming back at you soon. But for now, the Bizzlecast is out. All right, buddy. Cool. I'll be uh, trying with you. This might not come out till like later in the week. Cause I yeah, yeah, yeah. That's fine. I have a b- big one I'm dropping on Monday. That's totally fine. Yep. Um, yeah. So. I'm hanging around with stuff. I gotta figure out what was happening with because I was trying to use my controller, and every time I press buttons, it would literally alt tab me out of the game. <laughs>